Conversation is over in the Cy Young race. It was already over. I proclaimed it weeks ago. Nevertheless, Sandy Alcantara comes out with another complete game. His fifth of the year to solidify the first ever Marlins Cy Young winner. We're going to dig into that, plus all of the news across the weekend on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I'm a host, of course, Peter Pratt. Yes, I am a British host. Nevertheless, follow me on Twitter at Mammy Marlins underscore UK. If you, if you would like to, please subscribe or subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching, hello, greetings and welcome to my living room. You will see it is, it is evening time in the UK. It has been a bank holiday today. Uh, the, the previous Queen... Queen Elizabeth uh, II was buried today, funeral today, so uh, a somber day over in the UK, uh, but a bank holiday meant no work, And uh, but the podcast still rolls on. It is a daily pod and five episodes, and I'm flying solo on today's, uh, today's podcast. Uh, I've got Sean Barrett queued up, though, for Tuesday, and maybe even Wednesday. Might be a double header with Sean on Tuesday, so wait and see. There's tons, even though there's, you know, there's eyeballs kind of drifting away to other... Other sports right now and other interests, which I get, there's still stuff stuff happening in in Marlins worlds as we get into the, the the latter parts of September. Yes, there are still things that we can and should be tracking. Ah, oh boy, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Let's start there. I'm gonna dig into it in more depth for Sean tomorrow. But Sandy Alcantara, baby, for those that weren't watching, and that is pretty much everyone. I hope everyone. Listening has, has already been on to Locked On Dolphins and got their fill and their fix. Boy, oh boy, how about those Dolphins, baby? I was slandering tour at halftime. I was watching the game. I was watching in red zone, but, you know, watching the game there. And uh, listen, Tua didn't have a good first half. Uh, Ravens made some nice plays defensively. Uh, and then the offense kind of pulled away from the Dolphins, thought, oh boy, these, these boys are in trouble. Tua was lacking zip with the arm. Next thing is he flipped the script. Uh, you know, Tyreek and Waddle just doing their thing, and, and two is six touchdowns. Insane. So, listen, guys, I I excuse you from not watching the Marlins. I was trying my best, though. I was live-tweeting through it to try and update everyone on what was happening. And I appreciate this was in the midst of one of the best, if not the best, fourth-quarter comebacks in the history of, of the NFL. So I completely get it if you missed it. However, Sandy Alcantara was absolutely vintage I'm going to go to the end of the game because one of my favorite post-game comments and quotes uh, came out of this one from Sandy. He was asked uh, in the in the post-game interviews, it was in the clubhouse. I'm not clear who actually asked the question. I didn't recognize the voice. I may have been one of the Nats reporters or maybe just a, a more generalist reporter. But nevertheless, he asked Sandy when he had the sense that he could go uh, the complete game. Uh, in yesterday's game. When when did you get that sense, Sandy? And his answer was absolutely stunning. He said, after three pitches. <laughs> he said, my stuff was there and he knew it after three pitches and he knew he had the opportunity to go complete game again. Absolutely insane. Reminder, Sandy Alcantara, that is his fifth complete game of the year. Fifth. 
it, it's absolutely insane. No, no other club has even had four. Now Sandy's got five. The last time someone threw five complete games, I tweeted out earlier as well, was Corey Kluber back in 2017. Kluber that year, yes, sir, he won the Cy. He was in the AL, of course. Uh, but nevertheless, Kluber won the Cy. And, uh, but, you, you know, I've already mentioned it. The Cy race is over, absolutely over. We all know the drill there, and uh, Sandy will will almost be unanimous, perhaps. Arias has had a great year. A few other guys have had good years, but Sandy just is, you know, is just on a different level right now, in my opinion. And yesterday, it was no different. And again, I appreciate probably most people didn't watch the game live. They were just seeing, you know, maybe the updates from me or just looked at the box score at the end. It was vintage Sandy in the... There was some traffic at times, but he managed to get out of it with rolling double plays and all sorts. And there was some there was some poor base running at some points for the Nats as well, a little bit comical, um, where uh, one of the guys just decided to... He was going for a stolen bag. It was a fly ball into, into right field. And for some reason, he just stood on second base <laughs> waiting to see what was going to happen. And then the throw came in casually and he was out at first because he hadn't actually tagged. So it was a base running blunder by the Nats, which was welcome. We enjoy those base running blunders when it's the other team doing it. But Sandy, it was like 10 pitches or less per inning. It was just, he was just mowing down guys. He was filling up the, the strike zone. At one point, I remember on the graphics of the, the broadcast put on to say, uh, six, he's had 80 pitches at this point. This might have been going into the the eighth inning, and actually run into some trouble in that eighth inning. Um, but it was eighty pitches, sixty strikes, and twenty balls. He was just so efficient, Sandy Alcantara yesterday. The strikes were there too early on, and he, there was some real, real pretty strikes. I remember one particularly to Robles. It was like one hundred and one mile an hour. Um, you know, two seamer sinker, whatever it was, was absolutely insane. There was also one to the catcher. It was a, one of the best. Three three pitches, three pitch mix uh, I've ever seen for a strikeout. It was that, and that was the, the the batter before Robles. So Sandy early doors was just insane. Strikeouts were coming, which was insane. And listen, across baseball, it was a wonderful day for starting pitching. Not only was Jacob Degrom back doing his thing, and Degrom, since he's been back, he has been vintage Degrom. He he does things that others can't as well. We have to call it out, Degrom. He's the strikeout machine. He is just absolutely, he's amazing to watch. Sandy does it differently. And, you know, if you've got a full year of Sandy versus a full year of DeGrom, you know, where, you know, what do you like? How are you going to pick him there? You know, you, what you're going to see is is likely a lot more Ks from DeGrom, a lot more ground balls from Sandy, a lot more innings perhaps from, from Sandy. Um, but, you know, it's going to be very intriguing if if the Grom and Sandy and, you know, a few of the other guys as well, like, can, can kind of come back and what 2023 could look like. Obviously, Sandy has gone past the 200 innings mark again. Uh, he's looking for to try and get to his 200 Ks mark as well. I think he needs perhaps 14 uh, to, to get to over 200 Ks. Craig Mish, though, reporting yesterday, which was interesting, whether it was reporting or whether it was opinion, I'm not 100%, but Craig saying that Sandy will be making the start next weekend, which is the Saturday game against the Nats again. So again, is another real nice matchup there for Sandy. And that could be his last start of the year, which I think is interesting. Perhaps the Marlins at that point may decide to shut him down. I said it last week that we, we want Sandy to, to be Sandy, to do what he's doing. But at the same time, we... The season's in the bin, clearly, and uh, 
you know, just pushing Sandy over again over 100 pitches uh, yesterday. Um, you know, complete game again for Sandy. You know, is it necessary? Like, is it really? It's amazing to watch and sit back and just enjoy. And as Marlins fans, there's not been a lot, particularly at the you know since the since the break to sit back and watch. But Sandy Alcantara is certainly one of them guys. However, you know, even the eyeballs are turning away from Sandy now. You know, his starts yesterday. No one's watching. No one's watching the Marlins because the, the Dolphins are on. And next Saturday, no one will be watching either, probably, because college football's on. So the eyeballs have drifted away. Sandy's still doing his thing. He has locked down the Cy Young race now. It is over. It's done. And I think the Marlins should strongly, strongly consider, and I think this is what Craig was alluding to, is that it is time to shut Sandy Alcantara down. He's got past his innings. Have a blow, Sandy. Just sit back there, relax, enjoy, and just wait to be crowned as the Cy. I'm interested to get your take, guys. Please, if someone dis disagrees, do let me know. Everyone disagrees with me at certain points. I mean, I was throwing out how horrendous takes yesterday on the Dolphins. Um, so let's get into the first ad of the day. I then wanted to go back as well and talk about jazz because uh, you would have seen I was, was talking very exuberantly about jazz and a potential extension for him. I clipped it, put it out there on Twitter. I like just doing that and just let people know what, what's what's in the episode, what are the fun bits to get into. Lo and behold, Jazz ends up uh, in the comments and uh, commenting and cooking a few guys as well, which is pretty funny. But I wanted to get into that as well because there was definitely a few little storylines there we need to talk about in terms of uh, extensions, money, and also the news that dropped over the weekend. There's another injury, another injury for Jazz. So uh, without further ado, Pleased to announce this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Uh, and Bet Online, of course, guys, they have you covered. Yes, sir, they have you covered. And it's the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games, week two. We're into week two now. And it's Monday Night Football, double header, double header this evening. So look forward to that one. A uh, couple of nice, real nice matchups as well. I know the Dolphins have got the Bills on deck for next week, so that should be really intriguing. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. That includes MLB, of course, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. I don't know why I hold that game, but hey, it just feels right. I've never seen a bet online advert, um, so I don't know. I'm probably going way off brand for bet online, but nevertheless, uh, as I mentioned, guys, I want to talk about Jazz. As I mentioned uh, last week on the pod, I believe that he should be extended. <laughs> ASAP, uh, Jazz is a stud. I know the health concerns are there. And actually, it's an interesting kind of you know pushback from, from people and listeners to say, and I had someone message me directly to say, Pete, I normally agree with everything you say, and maybe not everything. Most things you say, I think, was the language you used. He said, but I'm not sure on this one with Jazz. Um, the health concerns are real. And I completely get that as Marlins fans, that we're looking at it going, should we extend Jazz Chisholm when we have seen two years thus far of seriously disrupted play? Should we? Should we commit to Jazz if the body can't stand up to Major League Baseball? I completely understand those concerns, and the Marlins will have them, and Jazz will have them, no doubt. I want to talk about um, some of the, 
the injury news that did come out. However, let's continue down this path of, of extensions for Jazz Chisholm. So that's the major pushback. He can't stay on the field and legitimate. At the same time, when he is on the field, it's all-star level. And we've seen that this year too. So Jazz Chisholm was voted in as an all-star. It was all-star production. And I'm intrigued to see what the future holds for Jazz, whether that all-star production may shift over to shortstop, whether it stays a second, what the Marlins need to do. We'll wait and see on that one. However, Jazz ends up in the comments of this of, of, of the teaser that I mentioned, where I was saying there's no I in team, but there's an, there's an I in Chisholm, and he is the team. And yes, sir, from the offense, he absolutely is. So... What was Jazz saying? Well, one of the funny elements that, that came out was, was, no, he didn't actually say anything. He just used an emoji. And it was that the Marlins should try and lock him into an Aussie Albies type deal. And uh, Jazz Chisholm gave the thumbs down to that. Jazz not happy with the Albies idea, uh, which if I recall was like a seven-year, 35 mil contract. Um, appreciate it was pretty early on in Albies' career, but Nevertheless, Jazz, uh, giving the thumbs down on that one. We won't be expecting a, a really team-friendly option. And just to remind everyone, guys, Jazz Chisholm going into 23, it's going to be his final year of league minimum dough, which is a little bit more expensive than it was uh, when he first started. But nevertheless, league minimum for Jazz next year, and then obviously the three ARB years for him. And, you know, with that, you know, where could he get to in ARB? We'll wait and see, obviously. But nevertheless, it's four years of control that the Marlins have on Jazz right now if they decide to uh, to uh, you know use all of those arbitration years. So, you know, what should the Marlins be targeting? Really, the interesting bit there is, I, I'd love to hear from Jazz on this specifically, would he entertain an extension with the Marlins? At the end of the day, they've got control over him for four years. So if it was like a four plus two plus two plus one or something, like a kind of eight-year deal or something that had tons of different opt-outs and incentives and stuff, then, you know, and I think that's the way what we're seeing. Like, we saw that with with Julio Rodriguez recently where, you know, the the extremely talented dudes that, you know, it looked like, you know, they're going to be absolute studs for a long time. These clubs are trying to lock them in now. They're trying to get a deal done now. And we've seen it. Julio Rodriguez's deal, like it could accelerate into a crazy number at the end, but he has to, you know, there's so many permutations to that. And, you know, the, the Mariners have different opt-outs. So I think the Marlins could get really creative with a longer-term deal for Jazz, something in the region of like seven or eight years, you know, but with multiple opt-outs knocking around and loads of incentives for Jazz. Clearly, this is the point. Jazz Chisholm will want his money. He will want to maximize on his talent, on his performance, etc. Absolutely. At the same time, the Marlins will want to see the return on their investment if they are indeed going to look to enter these conversations. And so, you know, I do think that this kind of incentive-laden contract does kind of fit well for Jazz because clearly, you know, there has been problems in terms of health. And this is the way to to counteract this where, you know, you... you you build in these incentives, you build in tons of things. Like if, if he gets there and he plays well, pay the man his money. Pay the man his dough and he'll be more than worth it. I am convinced of that. And listen, for Jazz, there's so much value around him, his, his, his personality, his on-field, his off-field. Everything about Jazz is, you know, is, is, is top class, world class, no doubt about it. And his play included in that. The Marlins, in my opinion, should be looking to extend him ASAP. I already mentioned that last week. But um, I completely get the health knock. I do. I do. But I do think that they look to get a deal done. 
And maybe it's this offseason. It, it would feel right in some ways that, and maybe it's a buy low opportunity for the fish. And this is the other bit. It's like you talk about the health. Well, what happens if next year he comes back? He has a, a another. He has a full healthy year. He ends up putting in a five six war uh, campaign. He's another. He's an all star for the second time. The price tag's just going up. Like Jazz will sign the deal now because at the end of the day he'll have some doubt in his mind. He will. Jazz right now will have some doubt. The Marlins will have doubt. There's leverage there to play. The they can find a a softer landing spot on 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 the financial and on the contract side because at the end of the day, Jazz right now we can't guarantee you can play 150 games a year, and clubs don't want to be paying 20, 25, 30 million a year for guys that only play 60 games a year. So Jazz, yes, he wants to bet on himself, and I completely get that, and and maybe he should. He is the most confident guy that I've ever come across in not just in baseball but probably in in life. I don't know. Maybe I'm slightly overselling that, but he it wouldn't shock me if he does go on to bet on himself. But for me, I would just love to understand from a Marlin side, are you going to engage? We're not going to have the Starling Marte situation where Starling's kind of sitting there two weeks from the deadline going, hey, yeah, we haven't actually spoken to the Marlins. And they're like, oh, yeah, actually, maybe we maybe we should speak to Starling because, you know, he's now talking to Craig saying, I'd like to stay. Let's Let's be on the front foot, Marlins. And I get the health concerns, but there's a deal to be done here for Jazz. There's a buy-low deal right now to buy out the four years, add some more, give some more control, give some options, give Jazz the money, and and kind of commit to each other. Do the Marlins want to commit to Jazz? And just Jazz want to commit to the Marlins? That the, They're the, the key questions. Do they? It was funny. You know, Kim Ann came in at the time. Uh, you know, what's happening with BA? Pay BA? No, we're going to sit and wait. It was the right call. It was the right call. I'm interested to see if anyone can get in front of Kim and ask the same question about uh, about Jazz Chisholm. And, and this is tricky now, you know, w- without the zooms anymore, it's hard to it's hard to see and hear everything. You know, I'm not around. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not at the ballpark. <laughs> if you're at the ballpark, you'd know, uh, or so the saying goes. But you know, I, I'd love to understand from Kim, from Bruce, someone kind of get a microphone to them and ask them. You know, you're going to look to entertain extension conversations with Jazz. Wait and see. The big news that dropped out, though, guys, and this for me, oh, boy, this is another wrinkle for the fish. Uh, again, I'm going to talk to Sean about this in more depth uh, coming up uh, later in the week. But the news came out, and this was a, I believe, a Jordan McPherson and Craig Mish uh, collaboration for the Herald. The, you know, There's tons of studs at the Herald right now. Hey, Herald, if you're hiring, I'm available if you need me. <laughs> but the, the news came out that uh, Jazz actually... Uh, so not only did he have this this back problem that he thought he was coming back from quickly, then he went to have a CT scan on it, and they realized there was a stress fracture. So not only did they misdiagnose that initially, then they found out what it was and shut him down. What we then realize is there's a there's a slight tear in his in his meniscus, which yeah, for those that are wondering what the hell's the meniscus, where's that? Is in the knee? His knee? He's got a slight tear in his meniscus, a muscle around the knee. Not good. Jazz is going to have surgery on that as well to repair that. Believe it came before the back. So there was that incident where kind of Jazz was like hunched over and they were the Marlins are out of uh, out of bench bats. So no one came to look and check on Jazz. They just left him out there and was clearly in, in, in discomfort. But lo and behold, the Marlins now announced this and only now is, is you know Jazz going to go and get the surgery. I don't quite understand the timeline on that one. In the 
if they knew he'd torn his knee and his back had a stress fracture in, which all indications were saying, Jazz, you are done for the year, why don't the Marlins go and get go and get him, you know, whatever immediate care he needs there and then? Why don't they get it done? Why do they sit and wait until like the end of September, early October to get it, get these surgeries done? Then you're into the off season, um, you know, and you're then into kind of rehab, et cetera. So I don't, I'm not quite clear on the timeline, but what's more worrying to me is this kind of Marlins approach from a medical perspective. We're getting to the point now where, you know, I, you know, I know Jason Latimer and the Marlins guys, when they meet with the media or before Donnie meets with the media, they'll be the usual, right, guys, just going to update you on the injury updates, da-da-da, and he'll rattle them off, and then you'll get the tweets from, you know, the Fish Stripes guys and, you know, Jordan and um, Christina Dina Cole, everyone that's around that's sitting there and, and, you know, hearing this content, putting into Twitter, bang, it's out there. And you can see it happen, right? You know, it's, you get seven tweets at the same time with the same content. Nevertheless, uh, there's only one source of that. And the question I have is, can you trust the source? Can we trust what the Marlins tell us around injuries? Because there's multiple times this year where either they either they are lying or underplaying. Lying might be too strong a word. Maybe they're underplaying the severity of these injuries. Maybe they are. Or there's a lack of awareness or understanding about the severity. So maybe there's a misdiagnosis element in there. And for, for Jazz Chisholm, in some ways, that, I mean, that's true. It was a, you know, a lower back kind of issue that then, and Jazz is there swinging a bat and whatever at, at, at the All-Star break, then lo and behold, um, they then actually get another scan on it and it shows he's got a stress fracture. So why? where's the scans initially? My back's hurt. I don't know what's wrong. Okay, let's send you for a scan, Jazz. Now, why, why wouldn't they do that at the start? It makes no sense to me. So I've no idea what this medical team are doing, and Jazz is the perfect example of that, where he's played through a torn knee, then he hurts his back, he thinks he's coming back, and then it re they realize by a later scan that he's got, a, he's got a fracture in his back, done for the year. But the Marlins were, you know, they were going, hey, you might be back, you know, maybe you'll get there into the All-Star game and, and just after, and lo and behold, gone. Let's go back right to the start of the year. Jesus Lozado. He's gone down with some sort of forearm sprain. We expected to maybe miss one start. You know, he maybe take the, the minimum on the IL, the kind of, you know, 15-day stint. That was what was kind of put out there. Lozado missed, what, nigh on two and a bit months? You know, okay, maybe was it misdiagnosis? Was it they underplayed the severity? I don't know, but it doesn't feel good. And I, I appreciate things happen. You get setbacks along the way, et cetera. And I don't know the ins and outs of this one, but it's just another one to point to where the Marlins put out there initially, we think he's going to be back quick, maybe just miss one turn in the rotation. Can we muddle along? That was all the vibe at the time. Lo and behold, gone for months. What's happening? Are they are they underplaying it? And why would they? I don't understand why they would underplay it. Again, we have to then point to this, this usual conversation about Sixto Sanchez. And for that one, I do think they are underplaying it. And they they just haven't been up front with the severity, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of become a little bit of Marlins folklore now about Sixto from 24 and a half feet, et cetera. But I don't think they were they were really honest with, you know, with everyone in, in 21. I mean, they don't have to be. At the end of the day, the Marlins can run their own organization the way they want. They don't. They can tell the media whatever they want. It doesn't matter. No one's going to come back and send them to jail for a, for a bum medical update. 
Nevertheless, this whole 6-0 thing has been wild. Lazardo early in the year, one two, one, two starts. Nope, two months. Wendell, hamstring, came back too soon, hamstring. Avi Garcia, hamstring, came back too soon, hamstring. Last year, Georgie Alfaro, hamstring, came back too soon, hamstring. I appreciate it's a different medical staff around now, but I don't know what's going on. The medical things have returned. We're kind of back to the future here in 2022, where all of a sudden we've got a ton of medical issues happening, a ton of like poor medical activities happening here with you know, the way they've managed Jazz, Avi, uh, Wendell, Lozado. And then you've got the base running chaos happening again, everyone being picked off at first base and base running chaos. That was all, there was just the hallmarks of 2021. As the season's gone on, the Marlins have morphed more and more into the 20, 2021 roster, uh, which is disappointing considering how far we thought they'd come after all the activity. Um, but guys, that is going to wrap us up on a Monday episode. I've hopped on solo. I wanted to talk about jazz. I want to talk about the extension and the injury. It was really concerning that this, uh, this knee issue that he played through it have to, you know, tip my cap to jazz. Um, he wants to be on the field and you can sense that no doubt about it. Does he want to be in Miami for the rest of his career? I think that's a very intriguing question. Do the Marlins want to commit to jazz? That's a very interesting question. Do the Marlins want to shut down Sandy after this weekend start? Another interesting question. And one I think they should be heavily leaning to. And no, Sandy won't want to because he's he's just a horse and he just wants to keep the innings rolling, but there's nothing to gain, everything to lose. And you have to make the smart move with that and shut Sandy down and just, and just save him to go and collect his Cy Young Award at the end of the year. Sandy Alcantara was absolutely stunning on Sunday. One of the best performances I've seen from Sandy. The Dolphins were absolutely stunning on Sunday, particularly in the second half and particularly in the fourth quarter. So there you go, guys. That is me, Peter Pratt, out of here for Locked On Marlins. On the Monday edition, I am back tomorrow, of course. It's a daily pod, five episodes, as you know. And Sean Barrett is in the house. Sean Stats, we're going to dig into Sandy. Also, we need to talk about Trevor. Uh, Trevor went down injured uh, over the weekend as well. So what does that mean? We're going to dig into that with Sean. Nevertheless, guys, it is game one against the Cubs. The Cubs have a left-handed pitcher starting. Wade Miley gone for the Cubs. The Marlins have got the all-righty uh, lineup ready to rock and roll. But, guys, we know what this means for the Marlins. It is going to be a low-scoring affair. However, I can feel a streak coming, and I can feel a sweep coming of these Chicago Cubs. See you tomorrow.